Well, thank you, one lonely person. I appreciate that shout out. <laughs> well, after semester in Spain as part of LCU's global campus program, one of the things that became crystal clear to me again is the importance of relationships with fellow believers. Christ-centered relationships are our deepest need, more than food and more than work and certainly more than travel. When our students gathered together uh, for their last worship time in Avila, they were asked what they had missed the most. I think that they were surprised at how little they had missed events or even things here on campus, but maybe they weren't surprised to recognize how much they longed for their people and their faith communities. Our needing each other is programmed into our DNA. It's not a weakness, but it's a gift. When God said, it's not good for man to be alone, he meant that. It is not good, and we really do need each other. So I want to tell you, first of all, who I'm, I am as a friend, uh, because I don't want you to suffer any illusions about me. I do some things very well relationally, and I also sometimes drive things into the ditch. <laughs> so maybe this is like you too. Uh, first of all, I'm very inconsistent about returning text messages. I'm sadly not the person you want as your emergency contact because I might read your text a week later after you've had your appendix removed. Uh, I also send way too many memes. Memes are my COVID survival trick. It really started with the toilet paper memes, uh, and now I have thousands. People probably silence me. In fact, I know they do because of the meme overload, but it's okay because I can't be stopped. And where are my mean people here? Do I have some mean people? All right. I want your numbers. I have some great ones to show you. Um, I am your long email friend. I would clean your house. I will listen to you until my ears fall off, but I'm not your homemade food friend. I think gourmet means that I use two kinds of cheese. That's the best I have to offer you. Uh, I'm not very good at small talk, but if you want to dive into the weeds, I'm your person. I'm not in a particular friend group. Friend group. I don't have a gang. I do, well, I have a book club gang, but that's about it. I generally overthink things. I disappear when I get my feelings hurt. I'm judgmental. I'm critical. I can hold a grudge with the best of them. These are not things for which I am proud. But I also love to cheer for you. And when I say I think that you're glorious, I really think you are. But here's what I know about friendships above all else and after all of these years. What we need and what we need to give to other people is not someone to eat with or text or play against in intramurals. We don't need matching t-shirts. We don't need road trips. Even those things are really fun. Uh, we don't have to be a part of a big group. What we need are Holy Spirit-filled friends, people who can wrestle with us against the dilemmas of life and go to battle with us against the spiritual forces that work always against us. The world drags us off course and it wounds us in a thousand different ways. So we need friends who are looking to eternity. What I need is someone whose eyes are solidly fixed on Jesus, and so do you. I was alarmed then by a recent survey posted on Crosswalk, and in it, three out of five of the respondents, that was over 60%, said that they had no one they could truly confide in, no one with whom they could truly be themselves. No one with whom they could talk to about deep issues. No one who could be trusted to provide wise spiritual advice. Now, if you're in this room today and you have those types of friends, uh, you statistically are in the minority. In the last few years, I think that all of us have settled for less than God's best for us relationally. We dash into each other's lives digitally, uh, liking and following and be reeling. Those things are fun. 
but if the surveys are right, it's just not doing the trick. It isn't providing the connection that we so desperately need. So I want to remind you of three true things today. Our theme this semester is hope. These things are not only true, but I think they provide me a lot of hope. Number one, we are primarily in this world as ambassadors for Jesus. We're walking toward eternity into a home that's being prepared for us. Hebrews 11.13 describes it this way. We are foreigners and strangers longing for a better country. That's who we are. And then our one true purpose, the one that supersedes anything else we're doing here today or any other time, is to represent Jesus. The second true thing, we have a shared enemy, and that enemy is not other people. It's not someone in this room or someone in this world. Our enemy is Satan, and his first job is to keep us apart because he knows that we can do powerful things together in the name of Jesus. It's his business. He loves to divide us. He smiles when we're divided. Truth number three, God has given us in each other the most precious weapon to fight Satan. It really is almost too good to be true. He puts us into formation with other believers because we're powerful together that way. I want to call Apostle Paul to the witness stand. I've thought a lot about Paul this semester. I had the opportunity to go to Rome and to see the prison cell that historically is attributed to him. Some of the students in this room were there as well. It's underground, it's dark, it's cold. Just feet away from that cell is the Roman Colosseum and also uh, remains of Rome's glorious wealth. If that cell had had a window, Paul could have seen the best and the worst that Rome had to offer. Now, one of Paul's dearest friends was Luke. They were in one mess after the other. One of my favorite stories is in Acts 27 when it describes them being on a ship for 14 days. Uh, they thought they were going to drown. They had to throw everything overboard. The ship was ultimately wrecked, and they had to swim to shore. I mean, that's the kind of things they went through together. Uh, so many disasters, so many things that we would describe as the worst. But they had other shared experiences that are recorded in Scripture. There's this beautiful moment at the end of 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. It's at the end of Paul's letter, and in all likelihood, his friend Luke is the person who's writing the words down Paul is dictating. Paul is chained like an animal in that filthy cell, and he knows he's about to die. So these are the words that are recorded. Do your best to come quickly, for Demas, who loved the world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretius has gone to Galatia and Titus to Demacia. Only Luke, Luke is with me. They were together. I know they certainly wept together. And I know they saw miracles together. We have those recorded. Luke is there when Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished this race. I have kept the faith. I believe that Luke helped Paul keep his eyes on Jesus. And I know that Paul helped Luke see into eternity. When I think about the letters that Paul penned, he named almost 100 specific people who were traveling through life with him. And like us, they were ambassadors for Jesus. It would have never occurred to Paul to go solo into a world that is hostile to the gospel. And as he ticks off their names, you can feel the intensity of those relationships, their necessity to him. He calls them fellow servants and fellow ministers, sojourners, people who are connected to each other, not because they were similar. Let me repeat that. People who were connected to each other, not because they were similar, 
but because they wanted to follow Jesus. They were friends in the faith. And I want you to look around because those people are right here. We are in this together. So I want you to know something, you young friends in the faith who are in this room, most of you much younger than me. We need you for renewal. You refresh us. You open us up to new ways of reading scripture. We need your vitality and your persistence and your questions and your hopefulness. We need to hear you pray. It's one of my favorite things. We need to be inspired by the loving ways that you accept other people. We need you beside us. I need you beside me. These are gifts that you have to share and that you have to give. And if you were in Spain this fall, you did that for me. To our older friends in the faith, and some of you are in here too, our younger friends here need nurturing. We can show them how we read scripture. We can show them what habits we have built into our lives for studying the word. We can show them how to honor a spouse or how to raise a family or to how to faithfully live as a single person. We can help them navigate around corners they can't yet see. So I encourage you older friends in the faith to continue to be steadfast and to continue to be committed. You dig in and keep praying for them because these are gifts we have to share. God made us for each other. It is one of the most true and hopeful things I know. Would you pray with me? Dear Father, we pray for those here who are lonely, who wonder if they are too much or not enough or somewhere in between. We pray for the ones who feel like there is something wrong with them, who think that maybe they're the only ones who are struggling. We pray for those here today who are brokenhearted, so disappointed about how things have turned out, so undone by the world so desperate to have someone who will listen and care, so needing a friend in the faith who will walk alongside and remind them that God is for them and will never let them go. Please send us spirit-filled friends. Embolden us to offer that kind of friendship to others, especially those who are different than us. Comfort us as we wait and bless us as we look for ways to reach out. Our need for each other is a gift. Our goal is eternity. Help us help each other home. In the name of your son, Jesus, who we love. Amen.